0: Look, if you're listening to this podcast, you likely know the value of automation. That's why I want to tell you about my free automations library. If you want some of my best automations for free, you can head over to howibuilt.it slash automate. We talk about automation a lot on this show, and it's because I think it's the best way for podcasters, creators, and solopreneurs to become more efficient and more profitable. So if you want to start automating, but you're not sure where to, well, start, you can get ahead of the game with 14 of my favorite automations across a bunch of tools like Zapier, Make, Hazel, and Apple's Shortcuts. These are automations I use every day to help me run my business, and I know that you're going to love them. Again, you can get them for free over at howibuilt.it slash automate. That's how I built dot it slash A-U-T-O-M-A-T e. Hey everybody. Welcome to a bonus episode of How I Built It. This episode is a bonus episode because it's actually most of the replay of a live stream I did over on YouTube. I'll link it in the show notes uh, in the description for this video. I did clean it up a little bit. You know, I removed like the shout outs to commenters and things like that. But uh, this is a conversation between Ronnie Burt of Automatic and myself on understanding AI's role in online course creation. Ronnie has a background in education, so much so that he mentioned MOOCs, which is, I think, cool. Uh, I've obviously been a longtime educator across a number of mediums, and uh, Ronnie is also Uh, The business lead, a business lead at Automatic who oversees development of the Sensei LMS plugin. This episode is brought to you, this live stream as well, was brought to you by Sensei. Uh, So if you are looking for a great LMS plugin for WordPress that gives you quizzes and direct integration with WooCommerce and heavy use of the block editor, there's not another plugin I can recommend. So check out Sensei. You can get 20% off at howibuilt.it slash Sensei. That's S-E-N-S-E-I. But the topics that we cover are managing emails for your online courses, AI's role in assisting with online course creation, Sensei's upcoming AI quiz generator, and a few other things around uh, AI philosophically and what it means for the future of online course creation. So I hope you enjoy this conversation between me and Ronnie Burt. And without further ado, let's get to the intro and then the interview. Hey everybody and welcome to How I Built It, the podcast where you get free coaching calls from successful creators. Each week you get actionable advice on how you can build a better creator business to increase revenue and establish yourself as an authority in your field. I'm your host, Joe Casabona. Now let's get to it. So, so let's get into managing emails. And this is this is something that I don't think enough people think about until it becomes a problem. So, like for me, um, I had uh, a membership site set up with uh, I think it was WooCommerce memberships that would. Um, automatically register new members in all of my Learn Dash courses. And I was like, yeah, this is exactly what I want. But what I also had was uh, an automation um, inside of Dash called follow-up. It was like an add-on called follow-up emails at the time, where you can send emails to uh, students based on actions they take, right? So when they register, when they complete, after this lesson, if they haven't logged in for a week or whatever, right? So any of these things can kick off an email. And so I had one welcoming them to the course, except I had it for every course. And so when they got registered for every course, they got an email, a discrete email for every course. Um, I had about 10 courses on the site at the time. And I also, they also got their uh, receipt and they got their welcome to the membership. And so their first experience was getting 12 emails <laughs> by making one purchase uh, and I just never thought about it right because I I plugged and played a few things and things work as I tested them except you know the secret is that my user was already registered for every course uh, so I just tested the payment gateway so um, let's let's talk a little bit about this and uh and email reminders and things like that because again I think like an online course is um you can have horror stories like mine but you can also create a really good experience for the learner if you have those set up the right way
1: I mean some things that come to mind is first I think we all think that there's email fatigue right I mean email fatigue is real we are inundated by most of us, probably hundreds of emails a day. And, um, you know, as a result, we're seeing open rates on email lists, like mass marketing email list maybe going down um, and things like that. But if someone's interested in your course or like we do actually read a lot of the emails that are sent to us, right? And so I, I just what I'm getting at is like I caution people against saying like, well, emails don't matter because no one's going to open them or I'm afraid of sending too e- too many emails. Like if they're engaged in your course, they're going to want to see that email, see what's next. It, it's like the best way really that we have, the best tool that we have of communicating directly with those people that have enrolled in real time, like when, when they need some information. So things that we've done is... First of all, like, you know, I've been around WordPress long enough to know WordPress isn't built to be an email management tool, right? And depending on when your host and the configurations there, like the deliverability of emails sent via WordPress can can vary a ton, you know, on if you're in a shared environment, that IP might be flagged and more likely to end up in spam folders or just the way that the email is written, more likely to be flagged as spam or not be received. We also have just recently added some pretty big integrations with MailPoet and with AutomateWoo, which both, in different ways, can help with customizing the emails. MailPoet works really well to help with the deliver deliverability issues with email. Um, also, like you mentioned, you know SMTP. Depending on your host, they might have things in place that can help help there. But it's something to look into if you're relying on these emails. You know, making sure that they're delivered and not showing up in spam. And so, when we're adding email tools in, we're trying to add in in ways that we can like do everything that we can to make the spam gods happy. And also, don't feel bad about like um, not being able to keep your emails out of spam. I'm a big Google like fanboy, I guess, for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. I'm in all the Google groups and. Uh, like only use Android products and everything pretty much. I get emails all the time from Google itself that end up in my spam folder in Gmail, which is like a Google service. So if Google can't figure out how to send me emails <laughs> that don't get marked by spam, you know I don't feel so bad. it's it's a complex issue. but um
0: yeah, that's such that's such a good point, right it's I mean, worth like, looking into though yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> awesome And you mentioned mailpoet mail Poet came into the automatic fold a couple of years ago, I think, right?
1: Yeah, I don't remember exactly when. And it also you know, is uh, works really closely with, with WooCommerce and automating all your store purchases and stuff there and just making those those look better. Um, so what we've done is now you can, um, you automatically get a mail poet list for everyone that's in a course or that's in a sensei group so that nice. you can send out mass emails or you can use some other automation tools like, uh, I mean, just, just a whole bunch of different possibilities that it opens up. You can send an email based on if they purchased a specific product in the past or something like that to a course.
0: So yeah.
1: You can, you can get pretty creative.
0: That's, that's awesome. And I mean, that makes perfect sense, right? Cause I think again, one of the things that, you know, I mean, I've been in the WordPress space since like 2004. So like before WordPress had pages, <laughs> like it was just, <laughs> it was literally just a blog when I first started using WordPress. Um, and you know, and, and and the people in the WordPress space and, and developers and agencies like they would do this piecemeal thing, but I think especially moving into the creator economy, which is who I'm talking to mostly now, um, they're not hiring an agency to set up their online store, right? And they're not. And so these are integrations that they need to think about. And I mean, to WooCommerce's credit, especially like the onboarding process is really good. I think it's really good. At least, um, someone who's used, a lot of WordPress plugins and most are just like, if there's nothing when you install the plugin, I either think like, well, there's nothing to do. It's just doing its thing. Or like now I've got to hunt down the settings page, but like WooCommerce, I think does a really good job of like putting things front and center. And, and like, you know, you probably need this like tax calculation, whatever. Um And so having tools that integrate like that are, um I think super important and mail poet, full disclosure, they, years ago sponsored my podcast. Um, but, uh, you know, I think they were, they're were they doing a really good job of that.
1: Yeah, and I think it's this connection piece of getting all these tools. Like, we want to play nicely with, with everything we can, with membership plugins, with other mail services besides mm-hmm. MailPoet and all that, too, because that's the beauty of the ecosystem that we're in is that, you know, you get to choose what you need and what works for you at that time and not pigeonholed into one thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You get to, you get to choose your service. Um, So let's, uh let's move into the, the main event here, right? There's, uh, we, you know, enough dilly dallying. Um, Let's talk about AI. Let's talk about AI a little bit first from like a, a philosophical standpoint, right? And then we'll get into kind of the, practical applications of course creation Uh, you know thinking about it for a couple minutes I think probably what I use it for in podcasting is very similar to how it could be used in course creation but I'm really curious to hear what what you have to say about that but again um what is your personal philosophy (laughs) I mean that's kind of why I reached out to you because this is
1: what I'm developing it and that's like the first thing off the bat I have done nothing but listen to Dozens and dozens of podcasts from experts on this right over the last couple of months, and I I don't um, I mean none of us are experts because this right. doesn't exist yet. <laughs> we don't really know what the potential is going to be. We don't really know you know where this is ending up. But I have to say, what I want instead of a philosophy, what I hope we get out of this is, I don't want us to get to a place where the robots, the AI is writing our entire course for us, They're writing an entire blog post for us. And we just blindfully like hit publish and run students through that course or something like that. I think I've already seen, we have people doing that. They're like, oh, I can go create 10 courses this weekend, copy paste it in, sell it and, you know, try to make a quick buck. Um, you know, the downside of that is, well, first of all, AI is still sometimes giving you, you know, bad information. Um, It's hallucinating. It's, you know, telling you things that are not necessarily true. So we first, you know, we need to be mindful of that, but that's not going to be an engaging course. I, I, I think a lot about course creators, and I believe a million percent that, like, putting people through courses, you know, having a bunch of courses available for people to sign up for, learn on their own pace at their own time, things they're excited about and interesting in. Like that's not going anywhere. It's a good industry to be in. It's, it's really a needed thing for the world really. And, but if we have a whole bunch of really bad, low quality courses out there, and that's someone's first experience as a student, mm-hmm. like, they're way less likely to ever go try again. And um, I think we saw that with MOOCs like 10 years ago, the massive online open courses or whatever they were called, that universities were rolling out left and right. They were not good learning experiences for the most part because they were thrown together quickly and they just tried to like convert a textbook into the course. Millions of people signed up for these things. The completion rate was like, sometimes like 1% or something right. like really low. No one signed up for a second one. Right. Cause they didn't have a great first experience. Yeah. And
0: gosh, that's such, that's such a throwback that we, we talked about that when I worked in higher ed like yeah. years ago. Um, at, first of all, I'm a New York Italian and MOOC is like a derogatory term. <laughs> the first time I heard the VP of IT at the University of Scranton say MOOC, I was like, hey, who are you talking to? Like, I just got very like, um, can he say, is he allowed to say that? But uh, I mean, to our credit, like we never like rushed to roll out one, right? Like we really, and like by the time, well, I left before this, but like, again, by the time we were kind of like ready, we kind of saw the, the pitfalls of it, right? Um because like if you're going to just throw like if i want to learn something sure i can go read an academic paper on it, but like you said it's going to be an awful experience. Like i'm going to have questions, it's going to be so boring. Um and that's almost like what i think about when i think of like ai generated courses. You're basically just saying like take all of this information and spit it out on a page. Put it into lessons you think it should be in, right? Which is not thinking about the learning experience. Yeah. No. Um, because, like, AIs can't possibly know that, like, how each individual will learn. And so, you know, that's, that's kind of what I thought about as you were talking there. But I'm sorry, I like, in, I interrupted your philosophy. But no, I, I like that. that. Yeah.
1: I like that. And so, where I hope we're going is that well, on a couple of fronts, you can now, like, have some of that boring stuff though that research like writing the textbook for you almost right Mm -hmm. now your job as the course creator is to put all of that extra stuff the extra elements into the course that make it interactive make it engaging building a community around the course possibly you know adding some collaborative elements one-on-one coaching with the instructor or group coaching with the instructor. Those sorts of things are going to be really what set courses apart. So this idea of like evergreen courses that are text-based and like hands-off automated, I think we're going to have a handful of people maybe in, in certain niches, like be somewhat successful with that. But by and large, like the real value from this is going to be if we can help put, tools in the hands of creators that that go way above and beyond that right and make that accessible um so ai can help us build the foundation which we can talk more about like specifics and prompts and all that but um i don't know i mean what do you think about about that i i'm developing this like you know in real time constantly evolving in my thoughts Well,
0: because i mean it's like i mean this is maybe recency effect but i can't think of another technology and again, I've been in technology for over twenty years at this point. Um, you know, I can't think of something that evolved as rapidly as like generative AI tools. Um, and so, like, I've talked about it a little bit on on the podcast. And like, I had to like put a disclaimer, like, "Hey, we were talking about this in January, and it's like March now, and it, things, like, everything's totally different." All <laughs> so, um, you know, and so like, it's. It is that constant evaluation. The other thing, I think, again, as you were talking, what made me, what where my brain went was the idea of the flipped classroom, right? So like anybody who's unfamiliar with the idea of the flipped classroom, it was that um, the student would essentially like read the lectures at home and then do the assignments in class. And when I first heard about this, I was like, "Oh, this is brilliant, right? Like, this is this makes so much sense." You read the material, and then like you work through the comprehension with your fellow students and teacher. But but then I actually started talking to my students about uh, those like who had experience with the flipped classroom. They're like, "Oh, they would just make us like watch YouTube videos," and I'm like, "That's not okay. That's not a learning experience." Right. Again, all of this information is out there. And and part of the educator's job is to curate and filter it um, and put it into a lens that works best for the people you're talking to and not just throw a bunch of information at them. And so like totally AI tools can help us do that. Right. You can write a prompt for ChatGPT that's like, uh, I want to teach a group of 10 year olds. Uh, how to make their first HTML page um, right as an expert web developer talking to a group of 10-year-olds. And, like, yeah, maybe you'd get something. But, like, maybe not, (laughs) you know? Or, like, certainly they're going to have questions. Um, Certainly they're going to have questions that AI can't possibly anticipate. And so um, I think that it's a very good assistive tool. It's a good research tool. I remember when like Wikipedia was first emerging and every teacher wanted to ban that because it wasn't a good research tool, but like you had to, it's a good first, I think it's a good first step, but it's not going to give you your first draft or your final draft rather. Right. It's, it's going to give you some prompts. It's going to give you some prompts to then go and look for more information.
1: Yeah, and look for like how to make it relevant, how to tell stories that are personal to you as the educator or maybe that connect specifically with the with the learner. Um, then you you're gonna wanna I mean, to me my my whole like education philosophy is learning is doing, not getting, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so um you know we'll have to build ways into the courses to have the students do something that demonstrates that they've explored that new content or whatever it is or or played around with it or created something or built something Um, or maybe it's in a traditional sense a quiz or something like that but um, you know that's really what makes the course the course or those those experiences and so you know anyone that might be listening that is creating learning experiences like always be thinking about um what can you have the, the student do? Well, AI is not giving you that. Maybe you could ask, what could the student do to demonstrate that they've done this? Or And I've tried that a little bit. Like, what's an activity that I could do when I want to teach this concept? And it, depending on what it is, it gives some decent ideas that can get you unstuck. Um, but then you know, like, how much time you have, what resources are available, all that, that you would have to then tailor it and, and put it into your course. But the course shouldn't be about the content because as of now the content is trivial it's everywhere like your content's not unique the actual words on the page are not unique um so it's got to be the experiences that are that are the uniqueness
0: yeah i like that i i always say learn by doing uh by doing as well um i you know i want my courses i want people to have tangible experiences after they take my courses i want them to walk away from my course and have something virtually in their hands, right? Because I'm usually teaching people how to do things online. But like, hey, I took this course and I made that. The average student retention rates when they learn something, it's like lecture, reading is 10%. Um and then practice doing is up to 75, right? And like 90% is teaching others. But um if you're if if you are just giving to Ronnie's point, right? If you're just giving people something to read Uh, as their course they're not going to retain that they're not going to remember that Um, you probably I mean if you're watching on the live stream now if you're listening maybe you don't even remember what I just said right Um, but like practical doing is going to give you a 75% retention rate because you're at you're you're forging new memories of, of you're like for forming new pathways for like actually doing the thing right that I, that was probably the idea of the flipped classroom, right? In theory. it was, and it,
1: yeah. and I I don't have it in front of me, and it's been a while. And I think it depends on the topic, you know, the content, the age of the learners. But I think there was some research that showed, especially younger kids, where a lot of this was used, mm-hmm. that actually didn't show gains in instruction, like in out, educational outcomes in many ways, and that kind of surprised a whole bunch of people. Yeah. Um. But. You know, other ways to incorporate that doing into your course, having forums like BB Press forums or comments, um, threaded discussions, having a peer review of, of work, um, building that collaboration and um, you know, there's all sorts of tools that that we could add, and AI is not gonna generate that now. You should expect today that your students are probably gonna be using ChatGPT to mm-hmm. like answer those discussion questions or whatever, but you know that's kind of on them, and that's a skill we're all going to learn how to how to figure out. You know yeah. what that you really know, means for us.
0: I will say, right? You asked me about my philosophy. I did write a blog post a couple of weeks ago, um, called "Like Chat GPT is ex- ex- is exposing, like a weakness in our education system or something like that," um, where I basically talked about how. Uh, is exposing our broken education system, right? Because if T te- my theory, right. And I think based on what you've said, you might agree with this. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but, um, if teachers are banning chat GPT from, uh, from the classroom wholesale, first of all, you're now depriving students of a skill that they are going to need when they get into the workforce. Like you're going to need to know how to leverage generative AI. Um, but also, um, But also, that means you're just giving assignments that are regurgitation assignments, right? Like, if you tell me to write a a paper about, like, the Battle of Shiloh, right? Uh, And ChatGPT can write that paper, and it covers everything that you told me I had to do. That's not a problem with ChatGPT. That's a problem with the assignment. Like, you're just making me memorize and regurgitate, right? Um, Instead of, like, critically think, right, about the Battle of Shiloh or whatever. I completely agree.
1: Um, and, you know, for course creators, in some, you know, we work with people of all different types of courses that they're creating, right? There's some that are for like certifications and you have like strict um, either legal obligations or like some something that you have to make sure that they know and that are taught is covered. And then you have much more fun, um, you know, hobbies and things like that, that people that we, you know, all sorts of stuff. And then everything in between, it depends on your course. It depends on the topic, but you can, you definitely want to bring in community some way and, mm-hmm. and the option for that. Um, however you can, even if that community is external to the course that you're just opening the door to or something like that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And now that we've gotten that out of the way, right. Um, <laughs> uh ai tools can be helpful um and i think something that um we're teed up to talk about is something that i always always struggle with right i make courses for linkedin learning um and if i'm not doing like if i'm not doing a coding course right where like the the doing part the assessment part is obvious it's like Take this code, write this code, right? Usually I'll like say, all right, well, I'm going to, let's write this code, pause this video here, try to do it yourself, and then we'll walk through my solution. Um, If it's not that, then they want me to write quiz questions. And I hate, hate writing quiz. Because like, they're so, to me, they're like so contrived. The way I write them, I'm really bad at writing. I just say that right off the bat, right? It's always like four one is, I think, the obvious answer. One is a very obviously not the answer. It's like just totally out of left field. Um, and then, but it's like it's something I spend, I think, a um, inequitable amount of time on when it comes to creating the course. Um, but it sounds like Sensei is about to integrate something that could could maybe help me.
1: Yeah, this is our first our first tool that we're building in, and so what we wanted to avoid. Um, was not having this like chat interface that you have everywhere else with Mm -hmm. with AI tools. We just kind of want it to be magic wherever we can. And so you already have a lesson in Sensei and the lesson has content. Then you can click a button to create a quiz. I mean, that's how it works now. When you do that, we'll ask, well, do you want us to generate a few quiz questions for you? And we did a lot of testing and we found that like, ChatGPT usually writes three good questions. If you ask for more <laughs> than three, they get really repetitive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we we're just showing three quiz questions. And for now, they're, they're multiple choice. But what I like about it is we can take it a step further. We then ask will also display why the right answer is correct mm-hmm. and why each wrong answer is not correct. Like, why is that the wrong answer? and then we so when the learner is taking the quiz and they choose the wrong answer they'll immediately get the feedback that you know this is why this is the wrong answer and here's the right answer and here's why so it's like reinforcing right in real time and you know we could do that when we're building the course but like you said it's pretty time consuming it's also a little challenging um and i think once you i've been playing with these a bunch like kind of helps train the course creator too like on writing better quizzes and writing Mm. better feedback so then you can extend and write a fourth and a fifth and we don't want you to just use the quiz questions exactly as they come out of the box like we're hoping you're reviewing them and making sure that it's a good question and like it's the right answer and all that but um that's just like one way of starting and it's you don't have to worry about writing a prompt we've we're customizing those prompts for you all in the background and then putting it into the blocks so no copy pasting or anything like that it transforms it into gutenberg and into the quiz editor um, uh, That's which is awesome. pretty cool
0: yeah, yeah that's awesome and like the why is it right why is it wrong like that's another thing that i really struggle with i'm just like the right i like well, i feel like when i say when i write why is this the right answer I can also put that in the why is this the wrong answer, right? Like, like, why is A the right answer? The A is right answer for these reasons. Why is B the wrong answer? For the reasons that A is the right answer. But that's, like, not really helpful, right? It's like And
1: and you want to just kind of copy and paste what you've already written because you already wrote the right answer, you know, up above or whatever in the text. But ChatGPT does a pretty good job of, like, writing it in a slightly different way that might connect with them a little bit better or, or something like that and not feel super repetitive. So, um you know that's just the first thing we're playing with. Um, right after that, it's getting to creating. We we found that just creating the course outline, which you can already go to Chat GPT, or I've been using Bard a lot too. Um, nice. I think that
0: go- GP, Google Chat stand GPT. Yeah. Earlier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, yes. And so. <laughs> um, You know, you can already ask it for a course outline based on the course topic and all that. But what we're doing is you have to put a course title in when you create a new course. And we ask you right after that what like the objectives are of the course. Mm. Well, now we already have all the information we need to write the prompts for you. Um, So then we can generate an outline and say, do you like this? You can just start blank if you want, like you're not forced to use it. But if you choose to use it, you can easily customize it, edit it, but hopefully, you know, the goal is to get people to publish their first course faster. That's like the metric we're trying to improve because yeah. we're a business, you know, we have to be. Um, but, and, and similarly and, but I mean, with also lessons. Also, like starting a course
0: thing. is like the hardest part, right? I, I mean, yeah. to me it is. some people, <laughs> yeah. there are like people who have a hard time starting and a, a, some people have time like getting a hard time getting over the finish line. I am 100% in the starting. Yeah, I will stare at a problem for like a week and be like, yeah, I really got to start this. But like... <laughs> again generative ai has been that made that a little bit easier right and like getting an outline at least like you said gets the ideas flowing and that's like super helpful and so yes like you're a business you want people to make more courses obviously but like that is also extremely beneficial to the course creator who probably wants to get the course done as soon as possible so they can start selling it right no
1: we want i mean we want We want to make tools that makes their lives easier and better and a better end result of the course and everything like that helps them learn how to use the our tool as well because that is kind of the hardest piece is that very beginning just getting used to the course and so if it already has the lessons laid out there with the titles it it all just makes a lot more sense to teach you how to use the tool which is a big part of it too and we'll do the same for lessons we know the lesson title we know the lesson objectives we can i'm nervous about this one we're not going to publish it if it's not good content but Mm -hmm. like I'm hoping we can write it in ways like tell a story around this topic or like try to make it more engaging or ask discussion questions for this topic. So it's not just like regurgitating a textbook of content, right? Like it's going to vary based on what the topic is that it gives you some lesson output, help build some of that, um, you know, interactive elements into the lesson for you.
0: Yeah, I really I really like that because um, usually, you know, when I start when I start on a course, the first thing I'll do is um, this is like course or book um, is I'll like do a mind map of like everything I know about the topic. Right. Um, and so like even if I start there, right, I could still ask chat GPT or Bard, um, which, by the way, I tried Bard when it first came out. Um, it's not
1: as good. I'll be honest.
0: Yeah, I mean I I <laughs> I, I kind of feel like Google's like scared of how good it could actually be and like they're probably throttling it a little bit. Oh, interesting. Um, just based on what I've read pre-Bard coming out. Um, but like is that is that rapidly is that changing rapidly? Because I know like one of the things that Bard can do that ChatGPT can't is like get the content of a website, right?
1: Yeah, it does that. Um, and I use Bing actually a lot too. <laughs> oh, nice. Like I'll test them all and Bing yeah. is ChatGPT4, but it does the website stuff. And I really like the way it cites its oh. sources and tells you where it pulled the information. Um, Dang, one, that's awesome! Yeah, One thing one thing I like about Bard is it usually gives you three versions of whatever it writes. And so you can immediately see what's different between the three versions. So that's pretty cool too. But I'm hoping we kind of build that in maybe with, it's kind of like we're doing three quiz questions. You can right. choose to have all three. Um, but with the outlines, we might have it do a short course outline or a more complicated course outline with, like, modules or something. So we can show you the differences. Um, that is, is something we're, we're actively kind of looking into.
0: Did you read Bill Gates's article about AI like the future of AI and and how it could help people.
1: I don't think I I mean I know I didn't read it. I've heard bits and pieces of
0: what I my preference. biggest takeaway and what I liked best from it was uh, he basically said that my job is safe, right? Educators. The world's always going to need educators and the world's always going to need nurses, so like my job and my wife's job are safe. Um but uh to that point, right? Anybody at this moment, can look up anything they want, right? Uh, You can find information on anything. and um, But that doesn't mean that schools and educational institutions are eliminated, right? Because you still need someone with the experience to discern and distill and filter out the garbage, right? Um, And so I think like what we're talking about here is how chat GPT or other generative AI tools can help us make better content, give us better ideas. Right. Cause we, as educators, we still only have like our personal lens. Right. So like, I mean, I don't want to um, disparage programmers. I am a programmer, but like, i've i've said this before right where like i'll be talking to a client and they'll want a feature and i'll be like why would you want that right like which is just such a conceited thing to think and say um but like the same could be said in in the education setting right like i might not think of something that the uh the learner might need to learn whereas a few good prompts from chat gpt might show me like I'm teaching WordPress and most people don't know the difference between a page and a post that comes from a real life experience where my student was like, what are you even talking about? Like, what's the <laughs> difference? Um, so things like that, if you can short circuit that, uh, incredulous look from a, an 18 year old student, <laughs> uh, chat could save you a lot of pain.
1: Well, you know what you made me think a little bit about, um, ChatGPT is so text heavy and I know that there's some like generative like art and image tools and even videos were getting there but mm-hmm. we, we've kind of been on this trend away from reading a lot of text and moving into like these like TikTok like videos right. for everything right like if you can't if you can't teach it in a in a quick uh, portrait mode TikTok I mean forever it was like how dare you record a video in portrait mode and now oh, I know um, and so like that's a good thing that educators have to remember like depending on the topic depending on the learner you kind of set it with their needs like some things somebody might be able to read and understand others they might be better if they hear it or if they see it in a video or if they get to draw it themselves or whatever so when we're building our course we can incorporate all these strategies whenever possible give people the choice and we don't have to funnel them through the exact same experience as everyone else taking the course we can give them their options and that's really what i hope this like ai will help us be able to build those sorts of like just experiences faster
0: yeah and this is something i talk about with like content reuse right um you know i've got students who are like how am i supposed to make all this content like well you know it's uh, record the podcast use generative ai to get a transcript have chat clean up that transcript and make it readable and then have it summarize right oh and now you have a linkedin post right uh there is if you are creating text-based courses like maybe you're not good on, like maybe you know i mean thomas jefferson famously delivered his state state of the union states of the, the state of the union addresses there we go um via, via written word, right? Cause he hated speaking. Um, but I was just looking at this tool by, uh, 11 labs. I don't know if you've seen this one. You give it, you feed it a sample of your voice and then it will, you know, generate uh, text to speech with your own voice. Um, does a pretty good job if you have like that North American, kind of accent and dialect um you know i think uh i was listening to a podcast with uh john Voorhees, who's from like chicago and federico vatici who's from rome italy and um definitely worked a little bit better for john than it did for federico so <laughs> probably a very u.s centric tool right now but um you know if you're in a position where you can create audio content, you're not comfortable in front of the mic, that could be an opportunity, right? Or vice versa. AI tools are giving us the ability to meet the learners where they want to be, which I think is super great.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, like, I can write a blog post or an email, like, in no time. That's just Mm -hmm. a skill that I've developed. But when it comes to trying to record a video, like it could take me all day to record a minute because I just like just get stressed out about it and want to re-record a million times and all Mm. that stuff. Maybe there's tools that are available that are going to help me. Right. Like I can write it out and like get it out quickly.
0: I think it's really interesting when you think about those things, right. Turning on a video and, and talking is energy. Like it takes a lot of energy. The camera steals energy from you. So, um, But these
1: tools can be a great equalizer. I mean, I think about, uh, you know, people with dyslexia or dysgraphia, like, or anything really, like we can...
0: What's dysgraphia again?
1: It's uh, writing issues, like especially handwritten, like handwriting and getting their words onto paper. Gotcha. Um, Like, you know, we have such good tools with text-to-speech, that really helps. Mm -hmm. Um, I've even seen people use, like, paste copy paste in a whole bunch of text and say like rewrite this in a more friendly format for someone with dyslexia and it takes out some like it there's oh, some tools wow. that people are working on just for that but like it's just these tools will hopefully be an equalizer for those those of us both wanting to create content and consume right we will all be a little bit more on an even playing field yeah, um to be absolutely. pretty
0: cool that's awesome that's like one of the things everyone's like, why do I, why does my podcast need a transcript? Right. I'm like, well, there's like a lot of reasons, but some people prefer to read. And like the argument will be like, well, our podcast is so conversational that like just the transcript would be terrible to read. And I'm like, all right, well let the reader make that judgment. Right. Like don't be like, you won't like this anyway. <laughs> um well, Yeah.
1: Well, Similarly, if you have a video based course, of course it's heavy with videos. Like, not just having the caption option, but like you can use an accordion to hide it, but put the whole transcript in there, right? Yeah. So someone can expand, but you're also going to like benefit search. If someone's searching through your course, one of the things that I don't know how long this will take or how useful this will be, but I feel like we're going to have these chat bots that follow us on every website we visit now. So Mm -hmm. the idea is like, and we're kind of looking into this, like an AI tool where you could chat with the course. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know so having that transcript in there is going to make building these tools and add-ons later so much better so i would definitely
0: someone just told me about a tool like this it's not on this piece of paper (laughs) i thought it was um but it's like you feed it a bunch of your content video content audio content and it transcribes it transcribes it and then you basically say like um where do i talk about Uh, this was a real estate example, right? So like, where do I talk about um, HOAs? And this chatbot comes back and it's like, in this video at minute nine, you talk about HOAs, right? Like, so these tools are already being developed and that is absolutely bananas to me. And even
1: more than like search results like that, it'll like synthesize like, what did we talk about with HOAs in there? And it'll like summarize instead of you having to read the transcript and... And so I feel like that's coming. I don't know how far in the future, but your course will have a chat bot that someone can like, you know, ask questions of the course. Right. Um, every Just website like, has it with documentation and all that sort of stuff. So
0: yeah, completely indexed. Right. And then this yeah. is, I mean, cause this follows the trend and I'm aware we're coming up on time here. Um. So if anybody has any, any questions uh, for me or more importantly, Ronnie, um, Leave them in the chat. I'll make sure we get to them. Um, but, you know, the trend for the last few years has been um, I first heard uh, uh, Chris Badgett from Lifter uh, use this term, um, like just in time learning. Mm-hmm. Right. Where people have a problem they want to solve and they want to find course material in that moment uh, to help them. And so this t- the tool is called Searchy. I'll put it in the chat here um oh nice but this is like this is the the tool i was talking about that like indexes your own content for you this is like definitely something i'm going to be playing with probably on the next live stream uh either that or like generating an outline for my next book idea um (laughs) but uh having a tool like this means that you can have uh, over six or 14 hours of course content. And like, that doesn't feel daunting to the the learner anymore. Right. Cause I think this was like another thing that like course creators felt like they had to do was just like put as much content as possible because content equals value, but like outcomes equal value. Um,
1: so. And these micro courses or like a big thing and a good, yeah. I mean, you can learn so much in 15 minutes. Yeah. And like, absolutely. You know, and you could, you could sell that easily. Right. Um, you know, and, and get good value out of it. So,
0: yeah, that's like a tactical error I made recently where um, I've got over a hundred videos, probably like 125 videos on podcasting. And um, they were all in kind of self-paced courses. They were mostly in one big self-paced course. And I just kind of turned it into a membership where you could search for videos. And uh, I thought this was really the way to go, like Netflix style, search for your topic. Um, What I didn't anticipate was for like, I kind of priced myself out of the market um, for my target audience. But also like sometimes people don't know what they don't know. And so if I give them a, a micro course or a mini course where it's like how to start a podcast for less than 400 bucks. Oh, well, that's the thing that they know they, they need or how to get your first podcast sponsor, right? Now, let's not think long term about generating hundreds of thousands of dollars off of sponsorships. Let's just talk about getting your first sponsorship. Is that worth 50 bucks to you? Well, yeah, yeah. totally. And then you can cross
1: sell, upsell, right, you know, exactly. link, all that sort of good stuff. Yeah. Especially into like a one-on-one coaching thing or whatever it may be.
0: Yeah, so. that's exactly right. And the mistake I made, learn from this mistake, friends. Yeah. Um, I tried to bundle it all together. Like you get all 120 videos and live cohorts with me and a one-on-one session with me. And I thought I was throwing in a lot of value, but it kind of sounds overwhelming. Right. And so like people who bought and now we're six months in and they're like, do I still have that one-on-one coaching session with you? Like, and maybe if I let more people buy it when they're ready, right. If I get them in and they I solve their immediate problem, then the upsell, the cross sell is, is better. And so, um. Not really generative AI, but just, like, kind of the theory of... I I think we're moving towards... Uh, away from by the college degree, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And and we're moving more towards, like, by the skill, right? We're moving from, like, the big, like, four, six-year universities to the trade school again. So. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I want to wrap up here with... um. Uh, We touched on the stuff that, that you're doing. Uh, obviously, you work for Automatic. Automatic has a lot of different tools. Automatic, for those who don't know, uh, they run WordPress.com, own Word, WooCommerce, uh, and therefore Sensei, MailPoet, Jetpack, a lot of other things that I'm probably forgetting. Um, did I miss anything major there? Did I name all the major properties? Well, for know.
1: anyone listening, Pocket Cast. It's my favorite.
0: Pocket Cast, of course. <laughs> um god and pocket cast is amazing uh hashtag not a sponsor but (laughs) i really um the web interface is still like the best of any podcast app i've ever used um yeah so great point pocket casts uh lots of other great stuff so um is there like an overarching philosophy inside of automatic i know automatic has for a long time been very like Let the teams do their things, ship. Um, But as you've grown, maybe you've you've gotten a more like company wide philosophy. Does that question make sense?
1: Yeah, it makes sense, and it's a little bit of both. I mean, I think uh, Matt Mullenweg, our founder CEO, like posted in a publicly in a post status channel recently. Like, you know, he thinks everyone across the entire WordPress ecosystem needs to learn AI deeply and experiment. And it's like, I think, like everyone, it's taken over. Um, like it's something every team is talking about and is thinking about how to incorporate in their own way and that the teams have the autonomy and, you know, to figure out what works best. Everything from like tools that we're using internally, like I now have a chat bot to ask like how, you know, like Sensei's subscriber numbers are changing over time Mm. or whatever instead of looking for a graph all the way up to like getting it into the hands of users, creating content in different ways. Also, a big focus around uh, we have so much content uh, uh, from forums and from courses and from blog posts, you know, about how to use WordPress, WordPress.com, and all these sorts of things. That, like, you know, how can we use AI to to help synthesize all that and and get the user what they want to know from from a support aspect. So it it really runs the picture there. But it is like every team for themselves. We are working on like. Some centralized like um, API tools that we can all use, as, so that that like some of the dirty behind the scenes under the hood work can be taken care of for us, so we can just build faster, which is pretty cool.
0: Nice, that's amazing. Um, we'll have to get into this at a later date, right? But like customer service is a, probably a really good place where AI could be helpful, right? And this yeah. is like the first quote-unquote chatbots. I feel like chatbot has a totally different meaning now than even like two years ago. But like, you would see that in, in the chat box that, you know, you have the little bubble on the site and it's like, Hey, how can I help you? Like the support chat. And it's like, Oh, well, Oh, it looks like you said the word migrate here. Like, have you looked at these FAQ articles? And
1: it was rarely what you needed, right? It was yeah. rarely what you needed. Right? <laughs> but Like now, right. It feels yeah. like
0: it'll be less rare.
1: And also like the folks, you know, handling, which their job is unreal and I can never do, like, handling multiple live chats and tickets I and, know. like, helping people all day long. Like, they're the heroes. But they also have access to this data, and it's, like, a lot to keep up with,
0: mm-hmm.
1: too, um, to help them, like, search and, and find the right way to say it that worked for someone in the past or something, right? And yeah. that's pretty cool.
0: Absolutely. I'm, I'm going to... um. End with a, a question that I'm curious about because uh, I know for a while, every new hire at Automatic had to work support for two weeks. Did you have to do that?
1: I did, yeah. And I had to do Woo support, and I had never really used Woo. Oh wow! And so it was quite eye opening, and I'm I'm due for getting back in there for a week.
0: Nice, yeah. Is that something yeah. that you can just like optionally do at any time, or uh, it's a
1: once week? a year? Everyone a, needs to do it do a week. Oh,
0: that's amazing. That's great. Yeah. That's such a good such a good thing, right? I am um, just migrated to transistor.fm for my podcast host and uh the guy helping me support was also like the co-founder uh justin jackson and i just thought that was like such a great thing like oh well like because you know some people like i'm the ceo and like they're too good for like the grunt work but like he's like yeah let me help you with that really quick just really no,
1: absolutely everyone in the company i mean from like the accountants and the lawyers to the developers to everyone so it's pretty cool
0: yeah, I know. I've seen screenshots of like Matt jumping in too from time to <laughs> time, which is cool. Yep, yep. Um, that's amazing. And then the last thing I'll just mention here is uh, of the automatic products that I think are worth mentioning that I forgot to mention. Uh, we already mentioned Tumblr, uh, Day One, the journal app, which is super cool. Um, nice to be like I feel like Automatic is a good steward of that app, uh, and Simple Note, which. Again, I feel automatic has been a good steward of that app. So uh, looking for notes, especially for Android, I feel like Android. I mean, when I was on Android, it was lacking. Yeah, uh, simple notes was easily the best Android-based. Yeah, it's been a long time though. Yeah. <laughs> so.
1: No, I mean, we're all in on open source and making the web better, and not just through WordPress, which is yeah, which is pretty cool.
0: Awesome. Well, Ronnie, this has been great. Thanks so much for joining us here on the live stream today. Thanks to uh, Kedma and Wanda and all the lurkers uh, who were watching or who will be listening to this later. Uh, If people want to learn more about you, where can they find you?
1: I wrote a post on using Conmigo, which is Khan Academy's AI, on my blog at RonnieBird.com. But you can also check us out on SenseiLMS.com uh, for all the good stuff we're doing there.
0: Nice. And, uh, yeah, I will make sure to have, again, links in the description for both this video and the podcast episode. But, um, this episode has been presented by sensei. So, uh, if you go to how I built that it slash sensei, you'll get a little, a little coupon code. If you want to check out sensei for your own online courses, uh, I'm going to find this blog post as we speak. Um, and link that in the show notes as well. So, uh, oh, great. I found it. Oh, very timely. Thank you, Ronnie. Um, Accounting Cafe, thanks so much for being here. I appreciate you. Uh, really interesting. Thank you. Ronnie, thanks so much for spending some extra time with us. Yeah, it's fun. I, I A lot of fun. It. All right. Yep. Thank you to everybody watching slash listening. Uh, and until next time, get out there and build something.